Welcome to the Strife Podcast, the podcast where we talk about everything competition, whether it be sports, reality competitions, or who had a better town hall. If you're competing, we are talking about it. I am your host, Kevin G, and I'm here as always with my co-host, CJ. CJ, how you doing? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm good, man. This has been a good week for me. A lot of good stuff in sports, a lot of bad stuff in sports. My daughters have not been looking good. They need to fire Dave Roberts. Right? They need to fire Dave Roberts. Okay, we're not going to get into that. I mean, I'm a Giants fan, so I don't feel bad for you at all. I'm actually enjoying watching all of the Dodgers suffering, but y'all need to fire Dave Roberts. Multiple years. Multiple years. Dave Roberts has mismanaged the pitching and has not been good. You know what, though? Like, you shouldn't even be that upset because you won't have to deal with losing a World Series. Because we won't even be in it. Okay, before we even get into that, this week we're going to be talking about football, the Bachelorette, the Amazing Race. But first, let's start with the Lakers coronation. I said last week it was going to be Friday. And I said it was going to be Sunday. It wasn't Friday. It was Sunday. The Lakers put on a clinic against the Miami Heat. You know what's funny? Because after game five, uh, the Heat and all the sportscasters were like, Man, the Heat left everything on the floor tonight to stave off elimination. And I'm like, that's not a good thing. No. You don't want to leave everything on the floor. You want to have some left for the next game when you got to stave off elimination again. Apparently, they left everything on the floor. I mean, there's a very famous picture of Jimmy Butler, like, slumped over because he played 47 of 48 minutes in that game. And And he killed it. And he killed himself. He killed himself. There was nothing he could do to try to stop the Lakers. And I think LeBron also gave them a pep talk that we're in this bubble two extra days longer than we want it to be. So we need to get this done. At one point, the Lakers were up by 30 in that game. Going into the fourth quarter, they were up by 29. I mean, they were up by 30, and it wasn't that close. No. I think Jimmy Butler took it as a personal attack when the Lakers came out in the Mamba jerseys. They were like, oh, you're not doing this to me. And then the Lakers are like, okay, fine. We won't wear the Mamba jerseys. Mm-hmm. And Jimmy Butler said, okay, that's fine. You can have the title now. <laughs> I, don't, I just think Jimmy didn't have anything left. And how can you blame him? The, the dude played amazingly all series. It was just him. You didn't have Bam for the first couple games. Didn't. Nope. They brought Goran Dragic back, but he looked like a man that was playing hurt because he was. Yep. And the Lakers just went out there and took him out to the back, out back by the woodshed. It was interesting to see because, like, I was getting uh, mid-2000 Pistons vibes from this Heat team, as in, there's no way this team is going to win a title. And then they were just sticking around and being pesky. And, I mean, they didn't get the job done like the Pistons, but they were frisky. Yeah. they Jimmy, it put him in a new tier of NBA superstars, to me, that I didn't think was possible for him. But... He's on the wrong side of 30. He can't shoot. And he's playing 127 minutes a game. I don't know if he can be the star needed for the Heat to get back there next year. Well, I think the star that they need, they have in Bam Adebayo. They do, but how valuable are big men if you're not, you know, Anthony Davis? Because most of the other really good bigs don't play like bigs like those superstar bigs like KD and Giannis Mm -hmm. they're bigs but they're not 
So do you think that the piece they're missing is Giannis? I mean, Giannis is a good piece anywhere, but there's rumors that he might be going to Miami. I don't I personally don't think Giannis is leaving. I don't think Giannis is leaving, but it's interesting because when the Bucks got bounced, the big story coming out was that Giannis had a meeting with the owners before he went on vacation and the owners said that they were going to open the pocketbooks. Yeah. Which up until that point, they had always said they're not going to go into the luxury tax. And now they're willing to go in the luxury tax to keep him. And I don't know if that roster, although tailored for his skill set and it's perfectly built for him, I don't know if they can do it because I don't know if Chris Middleton is that superstar second to get him that title. I don't think he is, but he has been the multiple all-star games in the last couple of years. Well, in the East. Even still, though, that's where they play. Well, I mean, he's no Jamal Murray, Eastern Conference All-Star. But but he has been to multiple All-Star games. So I think Chris Middleton is a very good three. I think he's a good three, but they need another a, a two. I mean, Chris Middleton is a, he's a wing. I wouldn't call him a two or a three. He's just straight up a wing because Giannis plays the three-ish, but he also plays the four-ish. They, it, they very much play positionless back as basketball. I think the biggest problem for the Bucks has nothing to do with their roster. I think it's their coach. Okay. And I think until they find a new coach, they're, they're, he doesn't make adjustments. You have to make adjustments once you hit the playoffs. You can play the same way all every regular season because they only got a night or two to you know, figure out what you're doing. You don't have to change styles. Once you hit the playoffs, you're going to have to make adjustments because they're just going to dial in on your offensive system. We saw the same thing happen to the Hawks. They were really good. They were getting one seeds and they were getting blown out in the playoffs. Okay, so what what piece did they? Okay, these are the best free agents available. Number one. Before you start, free agency is going to be trash this offseason. And the... COVID pandemic is going to cause the salary cap to go down. And the fact that China pulled out of a lot of NBA deals is going to cause the salary cap to go down. So even before you give us this list of people who are about to get vastly overpaid, I don't know how many of them are going to get vastly overpaid because I don't know how many teams are going to actually have cap room once they announce the numbers. Well, okay. First off, give Anthony Davis. Okay. He's not actually available. Yeah, he's not leaving. He's signing, resigning with the Lakers. Next, you have Brandon Ingram. He's not going anywhere. I think he stays in New Orleans. Yeah. Next you have... Well, have, Brand, well Brandon Ingram's going to be a restricted free agent. Right. He's not going anywhere. So he's going. they're going to give him at least a qualifying offer. Um, he's definitely going to resign. No matter what they do, they're going to match him. So he's mm-hmm. going to be there. Fred Van Fleet, though, is a unrestricted free agent. Does Fred Van Fleet make the Bucks that much better? He's not going anywhere. Toronto mm-hmm. won't let him leave. Okay, so you think they just back the truck up? I think they're going to back the truck up because he's going to be the guy that replaces Kyle Lowry. Okay. DeMar DeRozan, number four, best guy. I don't know how good he is anymore. The game like the game has changed, and going to San Antonio was actually really good for him because he learned how to shoot threes. Mm-hmm. But the game isn't played the way that he plays it anymore. Like He's a master of the mid-range, which I don't know how valuable that is. He's not really a playmaker. He's not really a defender. He's not a great rebounder. But where does he fit? 
but he has a player option anyway, and I think he might opt back in because he's going to get $27 million on that player option. Oh, he's not going anywhere. So I don't think he opts out because I don't think he gets offered anywhere near that kind of money no. to leave. Gordon Hayward has a player option for $34 million. He's going to pick it up because if he doesn't pick it up, he's going to end up on a prove-it deal yeah. somewhere. But I don't know if he stays in Boston. I think Boston might try to flip him. Yeah, I just don't know what they on. Yeah, but like I think they're going to have to attach a pick to get someone to take his salary. Okay. The next best free agent is Montrez Harrell. He's unrestricted. The, the, we talked about them opening up their pocketbooks. Do they pay for Montrez Harrell, who's what, a center? I don't think he leaves L.A. And it's six men of the year. If he wants a bigger role, he leaves, but I think he continues to be a six man under Ty Lue. Congrats so, to Ty Lue, by the he, way, on getting that job in so L.A. So here's a question. If he does leave, does he try to figure out a way to go to Philadelphia? Like, is he a doc guy now? Good question. Good. I mean, that's a good. That's a good point. Be- because Doc believes in him, and he would really help out the Sixers a lot. He would, but the Sixers are already so big in their lineup. I don't know if you want to bring up another big dude. Like Sixers need to figure out their shooting and spacing. And they need some smaller guys to cover guards. Okay. Well, the number seven best dude on this list is Bogdan Bogdanovich, who is a restricted free agent with the Kings. And I think they match anything he's offered. I think they match. But I think the Kings are going to be sending somebody out because they have a surplus of wings. Like, I don't, because they have so many young guys. Buddy Hill's time up? Probably. They've been bad for so long, drafting so high, getting all these, like, wings i wouldn't be surprised if they trade one of them or try like i wouldn't be surprised if bogdanovich was a sign and trade okay but i don't know where he does goes. he get traded to the bucks though because this this is all a question of how do the bucks get a third piece to keep Giannis in the following year can i don't know what the bucks situation is as far as like which exception they qualify for because they're going to have to go into the luxury tax to get some of these guys. Mm-hmm. So do you send somebody out in a trade to like, it's hard to put on salary and everything is very uncertain with the cap being what it is until we know what the cap is. We don't know what happens with any of these dudes. Well, I don't, I don't even know what it matters because the next three guys as a top 10 are Danilo Gallinari Evan Fournier and Davis Bertrands. I'll tell you, Evan Fournier is great in NBA 2K, but I mean, he has potential. I don't know if he's going to be an impact player somewhere. So with those guys being the next guys, and a couple of them have player options. Yeah. Like, what do the Bucks do to keep Giannis? Because you could, you could make the claim that we're going to open up the pocketbook, but if no one's there, What's the point? This is like you said, this is a bad free agent class. Do the Bucks This is also a bad draft class. It's not well, they say bad draft class because there's no surefire super duper star. Right. And the Bucks are picking at the end of the first round. So because like what is Milwaukee to do? I don't know what the Bucks do to get better, but I don't they're close, 
I just don't know if there's a piece out there that puts them over. I think it might be more of a coaching thing. Okay. Uh, and I, this is not a knock on Bud, who's a fantastic coach. It's just he's not shown to uh, make adjustments come playoff time. And I, maybe the answer for the Bucks is Giannis learns how to shoot threes. Maybe the answer for the Bucks is uh, Eric Bledsoe takes the next step, which he's now 30 mm-hmm. or close to it. Who knows? There's not that much room for internal development on that team because they don't have that many young guys. Is their only young guy Dante DiVincenzo? I mean, I felt like they when they let Malcolm um, Brogdon Brogdon just leave, mm-hmm. that's when they decided that they, they their fate was already kind of sealed. Do I do the Bucks do something like try to trade for a disgruntled superstar or someone who might be available like? Do you make a run at a Bradley Beal or a Victor Oladipo? Someone who might be available? Just make the call, see if he might be able to do something. I think that's what you have to do because that's all you can do based on looking out what's out there. Do you remember when the pandemic started and everyone freaked out and went grocery shopping? And I remember buying, I don't even eat waffles like frozen waffles, but I bought a box because I didn't know how the world was going to be. Yeah. And so I just bought them to have them. I have still multiple boxes of macaroni, elbow macaroni, because no one knew how the world was going to be. So you were just picking up whatever you could find that well, first like couple weekends. Also, that was the only thing left of the store. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. That's kind of where they're at. That's the bucks right now. When you look and you're like, well, Danilo Gallinari is available. Um, I guess that's what we're going to have to do because of those 10 free agents, most of them either were restricted free agents or have player options that they would be fools not to opt into because of guys like, like Gordon Hayward, mm-hmm. guys like uh, Harold, their player options were paying them way more money than they would have leave. Do you think the Bucks could pull off some kind of Jedi mind trick and get a Chris Paul or a Russell Westbrook. So I read an interesting story yesterday. I read an interesting story about Chris Paul yesterday. Mm-hmm. The story was, is LeBron going to try to do everything he can to get it to play with the last member of the banana boat? <laughs> I mean, I don't know if he does because he was ruthless with Carmelo. Yeah. Like he did not, do Car- like he was chasing rings he did not go after Carmelo he let Carmelo go to Portland I don't know if he's going to go after Chris Paul but Chris Paul plays at such a high level this year with what he had on the Thunder yeah you would have another playmaker LeBron wants the, the ball anyway so maybe you just let Chris Paul spot up and shoot because he still shoot threes they're both so ball dominant that I don't know how it works I don't I don't see a LeBron D Wade power struggle like Miami at the beginning of the decade. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if Chris Paul necessarily fits in that team. Also, I don't know how the money would work. That's what the hard part is. So what I read was that they would have to move Kuzma, JR, Quinn Cook, JaVel McGee. 
Avery Bradley, and Danny Green. So they're rebuilding the roster again on the fly after winning the title. Yes, but as I look here at the cap room, the guys that they have signed through next year are LeBron, Anthony Davis, Danny Green, KCP, Avery Bradley, JaVale McGee, Quinn Cook, Caruso. Rondo has a player option that he's already said that he's opting out of. Mm -hmm. Kyle Kuzma and Taylor Horton Tucker. Those are the guys that they have signed. Going into the next season. Going into the next season. So if you move, if you move guys like Kuzma, you move Kuzma, Quinn Cook, looking here at the math, Kuzma, Quinn Cook, JaVale, Bradley, and Danny Green, it gets you there. It gets you there because that's 24, 27, 30. That's 33. But you lose the depth that got you the ring. Like, because you have LeBron and AD, one can be on the floor at all times. Yep. And you have the depth. But as a Warriors fan who just watched one of the most brutal final losses in recent memory, and then a horrible season. Depth is important. Mm-hmm. Like the Warriors lost that depth chasing KD. And we got those rings. It was a fantastic time to be a Warriors fans because I remember when uh, Latrell Sprewell choked PJ Carlissimo. Yep. But you need depth because you saw KD went down and Clay went down. And Toronto ran a box and one against Steph. That's elementary school defense. Mm-hmm. Just cover their best player. And make everybody else beat you. Depth is important. So Danny Green misses that big shot in game five. And gets death threats. Gets death threats. JaVale McGee doesn't play a lot of minutes in the finals. Which he never did. And like he didn't play much all season. Especially once Dwight figured out what he was doing. Mm-hmm. JaVale's league average player. Avery Bradley misses the whole bubble time. Yeah. Kyle Kuzma coming off the bench, not as good as people thought he was. He was great on the team of scrub. He's he's a he might be a good dude, bad team kind of guy. He's the new Slava Bedvedenko. Lakers fans think he's great. Nobody else does. I don't know that nobody else does because there was like trade options for him, but the Lakers overvalued him in the trade market. So with those guys being the guys that you're moving out to get Chris Paul. It may be worth it because you're right. You're losing depth, but you could pick, you could re-sign other, other clutch sports guys. Yeah. I mean, we already talked about that. J.R. Smith, Deion Waiters, the Morris twins were at one point. KCP, you got a bunch of clutch sports guys already on the team. I think Tristan Thompson is attainable. Another clutch sports guy. Tristan Thompson would fit that JaVale McGee void. And that's the depth you need. I think they re-signed Dwight. Oh, I don't think Dwight's going anywhere. I think Dwight finally figured out that he can't be the first banana on a championship team. And I think he's finally accepted that. And he just won his first title ever. Yeah. He's a Hall of Famer already. Mm -hmm. And then you just sign him again to the minimum. He's 34. Yeah. You sign him again to the minimum. You have him on the team. You have Jared Dudley again on the minimum. Mm-hmm. He's 30 unless he retires. You I bring mean, back JR. You bring back Deion Waiters. I, I think 
that I think that this is doable to get Chris Paul and then still have the depth, the, the bunch of minimum salary guys. They currently have six guys on the minimum right now on the roster. So you say all that, but is the Thunder going to want to make that deal? Like, are the Thunder going to be saying, sure, we'll take these superfluous pieces because they don't have any draft picks because they traded all their draft picks to New Orleans. They have one draft pick for like 2024 or something like that. You throw that in there. But is that enough to get Chris Paul? Who runs the Lakers? LeBron. What does he care about a 2024 draft pick? Yeah, but it's not about them. It's do the Thunder. Is that enough to move the needle for you? But everybody thought the Thunder were tanking this year, except for Chris Paul, who drugged them to the playoffs. Right. So you get another draft pick for a dude that costs a bunch of money. You move this dude, and then you also get rid of that salary because they're on one-year deals. I don't know if the one-year deals are valuable to the Thunder in a way that they are for the Lakers because the Thunder aren't pulling any free agents. Okay. True. Like, the biggest coup that the Thunder have ever had in free agency was getting Paul George to resign. And that wasn't even them. That was all Russell Westbrook. Right. But that was the biggest coup. So you bring in all these dudes on one-year deals, and you don't get any picks. So a lot of these guys are walking after a year. Plus, all these guys are on the backside of their career. Yeah. So Except for Kyle Kuzma. So it really comes down to, do you think Kyle Kuzma and Shea Gilders Alexander are your future? Right. Along with Steven Adams. Like, is that, is that the team? I always forget that Steven Adams is relatively young. Yeah. He's, like, and he's really good though. Yeah, I, mean, he, I know he's really good. But I always forget that he's relatively young because it seems like he's been playing forever. He's looked like an old man since the first day he stepped on the court. He's got like 32 kids in New Zealand, <laughs> but he's only like 27. Yeah. It's crazy. And so, is that the nucleus of your team, though? Shea Gilders, Alexander, Kyle Kuzma, Steven Adams. What are you winning with that? I don't know. I really don't know where the Thunder go. I don't know where the Lakers go from here. I think you have to run it back. So, okay. Of this team, I'm looking at this Lakers team because congratulations once again to the 2019-2020 season NBA champion Los Angeles Lakers LeBron. Can we finally say that LeBron is the GOAT or are you going to tell me that he needs two more rings or are you going to tell me like Max said he's lost more because so he'll never be the GOAT. When are we going to stop this? When are we going to stop this? I think he's the greatest of all time. He's won th- four championships on three teams. LeBron has won the titles he was supposed to, except for the one that he lost to the Mavericks. Mm-hmm. He's won the ones he was supposed to. He lost the ones he was supposed to. And I don't even talk about, you know I, you know how much I hate titles. Yeah. When you talk about the greatest of all time. I like the fact that he went, got this team there, is able to uh, move pieces around and GM teams to be to the configuration he needs to win a title. I don't know if LeBron is the on-court GOAT, but I'll tell you, if uh, LeBron had to play in Jordan's NBA, 
he would have figured out a way to get his buddies to play with him and beat Jordan. Yeah. And Jordan was never the GM. He took everything personally. Yeah. So that front office set Jordan up for success. LeBron set himself up for success. He moves the pieces around. He gets the things done. J.R. Smith is so happy that he runs for LeBron. Yeah. That's his boy, like Memphis Blake and Jay-Z. <laughs> that's that's who J.R. is to LeBron. Um, I saw J.R. JR's in town this weekend. I'm sure he's not wearing a shirt. He probably came on the plane without wearing a shirt. I, I we're gonna keep a watch as I watch his as I watch Switch's Instagram. I'm gonna see if he ever puts a shirt on this weekend. Oh, definitely not. He's not wearing one until the next season starts. I, I think so too. So maybe January. <laughs> Who knows when the next season starts? Yeah. Who knows? January, well, wait. Okay. Let's get back to the talk though. LeBron got another title. The Lakers are back in control. They've won the championship. They're the best team in LA. All those good things. They have 17 championships. Yes. Including the Minneapolis Lakers. Yes. You don't think that LeBron makes the necessary moves to break the tie with Boston and to get his fifth ring. I don't know if the rest of the NBA will let him. How are they going to stop him? We're underrating how much the salary cap going down is going to screw a lot of things up this offseason. So if you have the opportunity as an older player like Chris Paul to go play with one of your best buddies. Still under contract. Play with one of your best buddies. Still under contract. And get a ring in your later years. You don't go to the, you don't pull an Andre Godala and let them know, inform them that you will not be playing. I don't know how they get him there. I really, like, I really don't know what the Lakers can possibly give to get him there. And if the Lakers do figure out how to get them there, I don't know how they're going to reload to win because I think the Clippers are going to be better. Yep. I think Dallas is going to be better. The Warriors are going to be coming back. Denver is going to be better. I think that's the most unreported story is the fact that the Warriors are like sitting at home they watched it, and they like are doing their hands like an evil villain. So I'm a Warriors fan, and I'm trying to give an unbiased opinion here. I'm very curious what they're going to do with this number two pick. Because as we talked about a little bit earlier, there's no consensus slam dunk number one player. I think the best fit for the Warriors right now would be James Wiseman. I don't know if that's who they're going to take. I don't know if they're going to go after Edwards. I don't know. So you think they're drafting somebody? I think they will because I don't think that the pick and Andrew Wiggins will be enough to return someone. Like if this was a no doubt about it, top two player draft, I think they would trade the pick. I think because you don't know if the first player drafted or the seventh best seventh player drafted is going to be the best player in this draft. Who knows who they take? Like, it's not like last year when everyone was fighting for Zion. Right. It wasn't like two years ago where everyone knew Luca was the best and yet he made it to number five. Right. Like, I mean, yes, Luca is the best, but 
you, you can't you can't fault teams like the Hawks for wanting Trey Young. Yeah. It's just it I think the Warriors are going to make the pick and then you're going to have Draymond who's a year older who's who knows how good he is. He kind of coasted this year because he didn't have any help and he's not a scorer. He's a facilitator and he is a piece whose his contributions aren't really measured by stats. Okay. You bring back Steph, you bring back Clay. Wiggins, if he slots into a nice role, he's still making too much money. But you did what you had to do to recover from the KD deal. Right. Which is why they overpaid D'Angelo Russell. They turned that into Wiggins, who was actually a better piece for that team. Right. But still, I don't know if he's the best. And I don't know how they rebuild their depth. Like, the Warriors are kind of in that Spurs area of... 2014 2015 where yeah they're really good they still can win a title but they need to figure out how to get younger because all of their guys are getting old i'll give you that and they don't have like the star cachet to bring in like guys just gonna sign a minimum deal to get it done steph curry has never gotten the respect in the nba that someone with his resume commands like everyone thinks he's just a shooter He's the greatest shooter of all time. That is not questioned, but everyone thinks, well, he's just a shooter. He's not the super duper star that KD is right. or LeBron is. And like KD looked at it and was like, that is the perfect basketball situation. I'm going to go there. But KD is the one that would be pulling other people to go there. And I don't know if Steph can do it now that he's a little bit older. I agree. And Clay Thompson is not that guy. Draymond. Was that guy a little bit? Yeah, but the way that Draymond and KD went at it when KD was leaving, which the more time we spend with KD and see KD, the more we see that he's not a very likable player. Yeah, surprising, right? I thought Kevin Durant was like the nicest dude, but over the last few years, yeah, it's been coming out that maybe he was a problem, not Russ. Yeah, the you the real MVP speech was... The last that we thought of wholesome KD. Right. But so you have all these dudes. But like I said, they're getting old. I don't know if they can recruit someone because Giannis may very well look at the Warriors and say, you're you're maxed out yep. on, on salary. You guys are all coming up on the wrong side of 30 or already are. Shooting ages gracefully, but Steph's never been a great defender. Clay's going to lose some athleticism as he gets older. Draymond can't shoot. He's getting older. He's losing athleticism. He's, so not that, he's not that big either. He's not that big. Exactly. He's an undersized center. So let's say you do trade Draymond, Clay, the number two pick, and you get Giannis. Is Giannis, Steph, and Wiggins enough? Do you not trade Draymond? Do you trade Clay, Wiggins, and the two pick? Is that enough? And that's assuming the Bucks are willing to sell. Right. Which and it, they and pro- they're not. They're not. Yeah. <laughs> they're going to do everything they can, including getting Alex Antetokounmpo into Wisconsin if he wanted to go. So, Literally everything they could. So I think the Warriors, although they're going to come back and they're going to be frisky and they're battle-tested and the championship experience and all that jazz, 
I, they're just another team in the West that's going to cause LeBron problems. Denver will cause LeBron problems. Clippers will cause LeBron problems. Dallas will cause LeBron problems. Utah. Utah will cause LeBron problems. If the Suns are as real as they showed in the bubble, they're going to cause him problems. You don't know what's happening in New Orleans, but they're a team on the rise. The West is just... Did you mention Portland? Video game Dame. He will go for 50 any night he wants to. Like, they can't play defense, but they're a great league pass team. Yeah. You're right. This is a lot of problems. You know what? It's going to be a harder road back, but I believe the Lakers can get it done because they got it done this time, and most teams have two guys, right? The moment a team gets a third guy and they have three superstars, that's when you need to be concerned. And Draymond, sorry, is not that guy. No, he's not. But so, what I will say for the Lakers is Father Time is undefeated. Yeah, and I, that's what I think. Their, their window is very small. You got two years. Max. Yeah, I... Max. I just, I don't know if LeBron is going to fall off a cliff. He's he, 30, he looked, uh, I, I, we need to stop talking about this. It's not, it's not his age. It's the minutes he's played. He's, he's hitting okay. records that nobody has ever in hit. In terms of minutes played. In terms of minutes played, because he's been playing since he was 18. I mean, he has played two full seasons of playoff games. Exactly. I don't. I'm not doubting LeBron. I'm never going to not. Three full seasons, I think it was. Yeah, I'm never going to not put respect on his name. But I don't know how long he can do this because he's already been doing this for an unprecedented amount of time. Fair. Fair. LeBron's the king, though. The Lakers have another championship. The season is going to start sometime next year. Let's move on to your Niners. Why you got to bring up bad shit? Because I loved watching them getting trounced by the Dolphins. The reason I loved it is because I talked about last week how I didn't think Tom Brady was very good. I think Jimmy G is trash. So, Basura. So we were watching me and soon to be contractually obligated roommate who is a Seahawks fan. And she had a great time Sunday night. As the uh, Niner game was ticking down, I was yelling at Miami to score again. Put up 50. <laughs> make it hurt. Give them something to remember you by. And they wouldn't do it. I was so mad. And I'm not talking about the Niners performance. I'm talking about the fact that Miami did not put 50 on them because they played like trash. So after the game, Kyle Shanahan said the reason that he benched Jimmy G was because his ankle was still compromised from the injury and he wanted to help protect him because he couldn't move to protect himself because the line was playing bad, which, okay, sure. But you showed last year you don't trust Jimmy G when you didn't let him pass in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. You mothballed him. And you have one of the greatest offensive systems the NFL has seen in the last decade. You were up 28-3 on the Patriots in the Super Bowl. Um, you blew the lead. All you had to do was score a few more points, but that's neither here nor there. The system works. You have the players. The receivers aren't great, but you still got George Kittle. Debo showed to be a valuable piece. Ayuk is looking like the real deal. You probably never should have let Emmanuel Sanders go, but that's neither here nor there. Jimmy G got outplayed by C.J. Beathard 
and C.J. Beathard is off. So C.J. Beathard was 9 for 18, 94 yards and a touchdown. I think he played one quarter? Two. He played the second Just half. The whole second half. Jimmy G was 7 for 17, 77 yards, two picks. Yeah, and his numbers don't show how bad he was. Right. It was just comical. And it was comical for me because Jimmy G, I've said over and over, we've been friends for a long time. This yeah. friendship spanned over well over a decade. I I have told you what I think of your teams as time's going on. You're a Bay Area guy. You, you have not broke, you have never tried to defend Jimmy G too much. I said on this podcast that I think this is his last year with the Niners. Yes. One of our very good friends, Wes, diehard Niners fan. I He's told me time and time again, Jimmy is the truth. And I've told him, truthfully, Jimmy sucks. Yes. And then he goes out in his first half. <laughs> I just loved it. I just loved it because I felt like it was everything I had said coming to to, to, to life. The run game is great. Raheem Mostert, 11 carries, 90 yards. Run game is great. It's really hard to have a great run game when you're down 23 points at halftime. Right. And yet you guys still had over 100 yards rushing, 130 yards rushing. Yeah. All in the first half. And you had her getting trouts. Trouts. But you have less than 200 yards passing between two quarterbacks. So here's the thing, <laughs> watching that game and going into that game, I'm talking to uh, the in-laws, soon-to-be in-laws, and soon-to-be brother-in-law is an Eagles fan. Last week, all I could hear is, oh, we're going to get smashed. It's going to be so bad. I'm like, the Niners are not as good as you think they are. He's like, well, the Eagles are trash. Y'all know how I feel about Carson Wentz. He's yeah. the truth. I would gladly trade Jimmy G for Carson Wentz. They, 49ers lose. They come out of that game somehow more hurt on defense yeah. than they already were. Going into the game against Miami, the top three corners were out for the game. The fourth corner was a game-time decision. They brought up practice squatters. Dudes who were literally on the street at the start of the season to cover NFL receivers. And it's not like Miami has terrible receivers and they had some Fitz Magic going on. So when Miami went up oh, seven it was one of it was one of Fitzmagic's four games a year. This yeah. was one of them. So when Miami went up seven oh early in the game, I look over to Jay Quellen, soon to be contractually obligated roommate, and I tell her, This is bad. She's like, it's three minutes into the game. I said, You don't understand. The 49ers defense cannot stop anyone today. Lo and behold, about three hours later, Miami had 43, and they should have put up 50, but they chickened out. Oh, this is what I let – me, let me read to you these times. Uh, first drive, three and out, punt. Mm -hmm. Within a little minute and a half, they drive down the field, six plays. The, uh, the Dolphins drive down the field, six plays, score a touchdown. Mm -hmm. Next, turnover on downs. Seven plays, turnover on downs. That lasted, that was 3-12. That was the total time of that drive. It was three minutes and 12 seconds. For the Dolphins? For the, for the Niners. For the Niners. Seven plays, three minutes and 12 seconds. Three minutes and 19 seconds, the Dolphins scored another touchdown. Yep. 
This is not good for your team from the jump. Well, from the jump. So the Niners are missing their top three defensive ends for the year. Okay. They're missing their top three corners right now. None of them are out for the year, but they're out right now. Uh, They were missing one of their starting linebackers. We knew they weren't going to be able to stop anyone on Sunday. But I didn't think Jimmy G was going to look horrible. He was awful. And I don't know if it gets better because it looks like he's got the yips. He's always had the yips, though. Mm, he didn't always have the yips. He just wasn't very good. Now he's not very good. <laughs> and scared. And he's got the yips. <laughs> like, I was under no delusions that Jimmy G was a top 15 quarterback, which you need a top 15 quarterback to win the Super Bowl. Jimmy G made the $37 million in one year because the 49ers were trying to figure out a way to eat that contract, structure it in a way that they can get rid of him at any time, which is why they were in talks to bring in Tom Brady, Mm -hmm. which they didn't, which is fine. You You showed you can make it to the Super Bowl with this guy. Why not run it back? But at the end of last year, you showed that you didn't have any trust in the guy. You got murdered by Miami. They lost a winnable game against Arizona because they couldn't stop Kyler Murray. Because for some reason, for a team that plays zone all the time, why can you not keep an eye on the quarterback? Who knows? Kyler Murray ran all over him. Then they played in the wasteland that is the Meadowlands in New Jersey, and they got the Pyrrhic victory against the Jets but lost everyone to injury. Yeah. Then you played the Giants, but realistically, those are probably the two worst teams in football. Right. Which we're learning more and more every week. Then you lose to the Eagles, which I knew was going to be a tough game. Probably should have won that game, but they didn't. But, you know, you're starting your backup quarterback. Then Jimmy G comes in and he looks awful. This quarterback situation is very unsettled, and the Niners are a little bit too good. And by too good, I mean they may not win another game because they beat both New York teams, but they're still too good to get the top pick. So your team, you think, I think, but you think that your team is the worst in the NFC West? Based off of what I've seen this season, yes. So you went from the Super Bowl to the outhouse? I think the injuries are really going to take its toll, being you – Defend you depended so much on that defensive line, yeah, last season, and then you lose your you sent a couple guys out. Well, you lose Solomon Thomas, uh-huh. who was a former first round pick, you lose Nick Bosa, those two were your starting defensive ends. You lose D Ford for an unspecified amount of time with the neck injury. People forget how good he was, yeah, he was really good, and he was hurt during the back half of last season during the Super Bowl, right? Yeah. Then you bring in Ziggy Yansa, former first-round pick. He tore his bicep. So now he's not playing. You literally have no defensive ends. So that, there goes your pass rush, which when you play a cover three zone, you got to have people to be able to get to the quarterback without blitzing, and they currently don't have that. Then you got to have guys that can hold up in coverage long enough to l- allow the defense to make plays. Well, as we talked about, they were missing their top three corners. You're literally starting guys off the street. So they, nobody on the line, nobody in the secondary. Yeah. What are you supposed to do? Cry. Lose games. Cry. <laughs> Lose games. That's what you're supposed to do. Ah, I'm just, I'm just enjoying. I'm, you know what? I'm not even relishing the Niners being bad because you're right. The defense is just hurt. 
I'm just relishing Jimmy G not being good because I like being right about stuff. And I said that from jump. The worst part is, is Jimmy G will probably be gone after the season. And I don't know where they go. Like, do they make a play for Matt Ryan, who looks like he might be in play because Atlanta wouldn't commit to him past this season? Mm -hmm. Do you make a run at uh, Jameis if Drew Brees doesn't retire? Drew Brees is going to retire, but does Jameis stay stay as the backup? What happens there? Because New Orleans doesn't trust Taysom Hill to be the starter. I don't know that they don't. We'll see. I really don't know. I don't think they do because if they did, they wouldn't be bringing in guys like Jameis and Teddy. But so, that quarterback room is just so good. I, I don't mean, know. In a in a perfect world, the Niners trade for Sam Darnold. Get him away from Adam Gase. Yeah. Save his life. Yeah. Save his football life. He's a young quarterback. People still think he has potential. Yeah. I don't think he can be any worse than Jimmy G. True. So trade for Sam Darnold. Trade for Matt Ryan. Josh Rosen is available. Is he, though? I mean, he's in Tampa. He's riding pine. I don't know if you really want him. Maybe trade for Andy Dalton. I I don't know if Andy Dalton will be available. Because I think they're going to want to bring him back to back up Dak because of Dak's leg. Right. I, I think Dak will come back and he'll be fine. And I think his play will not drop off. But I don't know if the Cowboys will be willing to allow Andy Dalton. I mean, you want to talk about... Pyrrhic victories, the Cowboys are probably going to win that division because it is the worst division I may have ever seen. Yeah. It's been that that division is pretty bad. It's yeah. been bad last year too. It was bad, but like the Eagles and the Cowboys were both competent. This and, year they're not. And this year, the Cowboys, well, if the 49ers want to have a Jimmy G get right game, let him play against the Cowboys. <laughs> let in fact, let him play the Cowboys. And then let him play the Vikings because they can't stop anybody. Yeah. And then who else can he play that can't stop anyone? Saints. The Saints, they can't stop anyone. Let him play those three games and get his confidence back up and then trade him (laughs) before it goes back down. Before it goes back down. Last thing in football I want to talk about. The Titans had two weeks off and came out and showed like played like they had two weeks off. They scored 42 points against the Bills, who were 4-0 at the time. I told you. I said it. That little vacation. They practiced twice. <laughs> and they, Three times, including an unsanctioned practice. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Buffalo, what are you doing? <laughs> and I still think Buffalo's for real. I think they are, that, too. That actually said more to me about the Titans than it did about the Bills. Because... It's real hard for the Bills to win. I'm actually worried about Buffalo's defense. I'm not worried about their offense. But it's very hard for the Bills to win when they had three turnovers where the Titans got the ball inside of the opponent's 35. Mm-hmm. Like three short fields, that's touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. That's all day. Game's over. The game was not as close as the score, but Titans defense is good and Buffalo's offense gave them opportunities to score more points. I agree. It, it was just fun to watch on a Tuesday night. When Second Tuesday night game in NFL history. It's That's crazy. I hope we don't see any more. You, no, you say, you say I hope we don't see any more. But here's the thing. The Tuesday night game actually gives you more rest to Sunday 
than the Monday to Thursday game. It's actually better for players I can see that. to play on a Tuesday than a Thursday. <laughs> Keep that in mind, NFL. Yeah. Keep that in mind. CJ, let's pick some games real quick. All right. Cleveland, Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. I think Cleveland might be for real. I think Cleveland might be for real too, but I'll believe it when I see it. All right, I'm taking Pittsburgh too. I like I like what Ben's been doing over there, especially because Odell may not play. So yeah, I like that. Um, Washington Giants. Someone's got to win. Oh, this is the stoppable force versus the movable object. Um, I, if Alex Smith gets into the game, I'm picking Washington. But if he doesn't. Then I think the Giants will win 3 0. I'm picking Washington in that game. And then let's also do Kansas City, Buffalo. I'm Kansas, picking Buffalo. I'm picking Kansas City. After Washington lose to the Raiders. Mm. So Buffalo Bills beat the Raiders. Bills beat Raiders. Raiders beat Kansas City. Therefore, Buffalo beats Kansas City. <laughs> Great in theory, but <laughs> Buffalo can't stop nobody. So, because. The Raiders were missing Henry Ruggs that game. And True. Henry and AJ Brown lit up the Bills. So I'm looking forward to what Tyreek Hill can do for my fantasy team. <laughs> so so you're picking Kansas City in that game? Yes. All right. Let's switch gears. Let's talk about a little reality. First off, big brother. Um, Nicole was at HOH. Memphis went home. The season has shaped up to be extremely boring. And that's very unfortunate. But that's what happens when the same people win and they're already working together. It's extremely predictable. The hardest part for this season for me has been everyone touting their quote-unquote big moves, but there's been no big moves. Yeah, it's just been very very run-of-the-mill. I can't wait to see the fact that there's going to be... There's, I, I can't wait to see the fact that there's going to be a two-time winner for Big Brother 16. And it's not going to be Derek. It's going to be Nicole. <laughs> that's what's going to end up happening. Let's talk about the Bachelorette, CJ. Oh, man. Claire's season started this week. So we knew, based on the advertisements, that this was going to be the most dramatic season of the Bachelorette yet. Yes. But it actually might be the most dramatic season of the Bachelorette yet. So, Do tell. So they leaned into it early on. We talked about it, if you listened to our preview last week, that we know Claire's not making it through the season. Correct. They've been playing it tight to the vest that Claire makes it through. They've been drumming up the drama, but they fully leaned into it this week out the gate, just talking about Dale. Now, if you, a little bit of a spoiler, Dale wins this season. Now, well, he wins, he well, wins Claire's heart. Yeah, I was gonna say, I don't know if he wins the season, but, but he wins yes. Claire's heart. That's been pretty widely said, and like you said, they leaned in in the first when he gets out the limo, Claire's breath is visibly taken away. Yes. And then the moment he leaves, she said, I think I just met my husband. They say stuff like that often. But then Chris comes out and says, did you just say I, you think you just met your husband? She's like, yeah, I feel it. I, I've never felt this way before. And then the rest of the episode is a lean in on how Claire and Dale's connection is there and how everyone else is good friends of Claire's. Like she yeah. never like really goes in with any of the other dudes. She is definitely feeling them all on a friend vibe. So let's just let's just go through the episode in chronological order because I have notes. Go and ahead. Stop me as we go. So 
you start off early on with Claire being the bachelorette, go doing her press tour. They go to the COVID montage. Everyone's like, who knows if she's the bachelorette? Two very good COVID sequences in yes, the show. They were great. And it did a great job of showing how the bachelorette is small compared to everything that's going on. They go through the COVID montage. Claire is told, okay, we've decided to start filming while Chris Harrison is sitting at his desk with all his roses. Does Chris Desk normally look like that? Yes. With roses just, just hanging out? There. Yeah, he, he keeps them all. Is he some kind of Don Juan? Well, obviously. Okay. Well, either that or he has a very nice rose collection. Go for you, Chris. So they say, okay, Claire, we're going to do the whole thing at the La Quinta in Palm Springs, which... I'm sitting there going, the La Quinta, like the crappy motel chain? And they're like, no, it's actually a resort. I'm like, huh, that's crazy. So she actually gets there, and they immediately go to the Disney Princess edit, where she's singing with animals and dancing and quarantining and giving her a great time, which I love when they do this quarantine, and Chris knocks on the door to give her the quarantine result or the COVID test results. And he's like, Claire, I have your test results. But he's not wearing a hazmat suit, so it's pretty safe to assume that she passed the test. <laughs> True. So they do all that. Then they immediately go to the guys. And all of the guys are in their own rooms. So I found this very interesting because it changes the dynamic of the show. Because the dudes are not going to be in all, all up in each other's business all of the time. Because they're keeping them in separate rooms, it looks like. Yeah. It's not communal living. I did notice that, yeah. So I'm wondering if we're going to get the same level of drama this season as we have in past seasons. I love the guys' reactions. I love showing the montage of them passing time. Uh, dude jumping up and down on the bed, hit his head on the ceiling. That was pretty funny. Um, they were having a great time. Yes. So now we finally get to the entrances, which up until this point, the, the episode has been pretty standard. Some of the highlights from the entrances I have was Jason being pregnant, doing the callback to Claire, coming out pregnant. Uh, Kenny, the boy man manager with the T-shirt with the dogs, which the blazer T-shirt combo, you knew he wasn't lasting very long. <laughs> uh, you have Bennett showing off his wealth management consulting skills with his Rolls Royce. Oh, great with the Rolls. I mean, that's immediately coming out as a power move saying, look, I have money. Not just the rolls. He had the scarf around the shoulders. Oh, for all the wrestling fans, he had some MJF vibes. Yes, it was great. It yes. was great. And this was right after What's-His-Face came in in a station wagon. Yeah. Yeah. Immediately <laughs> after. That's what I like to call a one-upper. Yep. He's definitely a one-upper. Uh, you had AJ crushing her hand with the handshake. Being super nervous. Talked about how he doesn't make good first impressions and then crushes her hand with that handshake, which is not a very good first impression. Yeah. You had Jay, who, if you remember last week, is the guy who has the baby head. Yes. <laughs> he uh, showing up in the straight jacket because he's crazy about her. That was uh, you have red. Flags. You always have one. You always have one of those dudes. He has red, red flags. One of those people, I guess, because the girls, you have someone showing up in a wedding dress, stuff like that. Yeah. You have Chasen who comes out of the limo and does whatever he does. It was unmemorable. But Jay Quellen looks at me and goes, why didn't he say, 
hi, I'm chasing and I'm going to be chasing you all season. Because it has also been lame, but you know, what else? I mean, it's a pun. She'll remember his name. Uh, then you have the montage of all the dudes bringing food. Like, were they afraid she was going to be hangry at some point? I want to know. I want to know where did they get the food from? And I say that because they've been quarantined for two weeks at least. Right. So the food just been sitting there in their hotel room with them. I hopefully it was prepackaged snacks. Maybe. I if it's a lakeet, like I don't know if it's sweets. I don't know if they have a kitchen in their room. Well, I know that Yusuf brought the moon pies. Yes. He was moon pies guy. Okay. So that. So then. All of this happens, and she's meeting all of these guys. And all I could think is, as she hugs every single guy, how come a single guy didn't go, this is the most action I've gotten all quarantine? Someone did say something like that. Did they? Yeah, someone made a joke like that. They should have, because that I was waiting for that didn't hear it. So then Dale gets out, and the music stops. <laughs> and it's all sunshine and rainbows. And it's wounded. I was sure the music. Like, it changed up the, the tune, and he gets out, and he's, like, smiling. And she's smiling. She's cheesing. She says, come over here. Yeah. Because she's been waiting to meet this dude. Yeah. So this season is different because she had time to Instagram stalk her prospective suitors. Also, what has not been really reported was that they actually started filming. Yeah. They started filming initially. And they, I think, got about a weekend. And then COVID. Mm -hmm. COVID happened. So then they had to stop filming. And then they restarted. Well, she had met some of these guys before, and Dale was one of them. Yeah. So she already had a little bit of a knowledge base of who this guy was. Mm -hmm. Then once she went home, Claire admittedly stated that she went on Instagram and started looking these dudes up. That, coupled with her meeting them to begin with, Claire is already into Dale. Yeah. She's already into Dale, and I'm sure, though she said to to Brendan... uh, to Blake Moynes, that he's the only one that reached out. I think she's been talking to I, Dale the whole time. Too. I think she's been talking to Dale the whole time, too. Because I think she, they met in that first wave. I think they talked the whole time. And when she saw him again, she was making sure the spark was still there. Oh, and it was. You and it was. It. And that's why it was. She had to play up the, I just met my husband. But it was, a I just re-met my husband. Mm-hmm. So she was smitten. What I will say is as I'm standing there and I'm watching him interact, Dale has extraordinarily small ears. <laughs> and it was a distraction. What? That was a distraction to you? Yes. He has an extremely white smile. That's what I was distracted by. Like glow, glow in a black light smile? Yeah. Did you notice that? Oh, yeah. But I was more distracted by his ears. Next yeah. time, check out his ears. They are way too small for his head. So that happens. The other guys get the yada yada treatment that come in after him. Which I do really wonder what number he came out of the limo. Right. Because they don't do that in sequential order. I wonder if he was, you know. Towards the front, towards the back. Yeah. I'm curious about that, but who we'll never know. So they do their toast. They're there to find love. Yada, yada, yada. She goes around. She starts meeting the guys. Ed, the boy in the bubble yep. from interaction, she bowls him over. He almost ran over with the bubble. <laughs> they, cause, okay, so after after on the first night, after she starts to meet them, some of them get to pull her away and do little special things. They had set up some bowling pins, and since Ed had come in in a giant bubble ball, mm-hmm. they put him in the bubble ball, and she rolled him towards some pins to try to knock him down. 
for some fun. But when he got in the bubble ball, he almost ran her over. Yeah, I noticed that. <laughs> yeah. I was like, you can't break her ankle during the first date. You're probably not going to be able to stick around. So he did that. Then we got to the drama of the night, which was Mr. Yosef. Yes. Has a daughter. Has a daughter. Formerly they married. said while he was talking to Claire that he was, quote, there for the right reasons. Huge red flag. <laughs> okay. Yes. <laughs> so he talks to Claire and then Tyler C is on the sideline like, yo, I got the deets. I got to share. Yeah. Gentlemen, he's been talking to other girls. Well, not just that, though. I guess Yosef was like reaching out to girls using his bachelor clout to try to holler at girls like in town where where Tyler C lives. So Yosef's from Alabama. Tyler C is from West Virginia. I think they're close. I don't really know geography. But apparently Tyler had this information and Tyler did the respectful thing to not bring it up to Claire. He brought it up to Yosef. Yosef gave a real half-hearted answer about it. He gave a non-answer answer. Yeah. And Tyler's like, okay, let's keep it at that. Yosef then interrupts Claire's time with somebody else. So that way he could pull her to the side to talk about it. Side note. Did you notice that they weren't giving guys the name title as she was going around meeting him in the house? What do you mean? So, like, normally when the guys are with her and they're doing their alone time before somebody comes up and can I borrow you for a minute, you at least get their name. No, I didn't notice. I don't, I didn't notice that. Sometimes you get it. Sometimes you don't. They weren't doing it. You normally just get it in their one-on-ones. Well, I noticed they weren't showing the names as often. So, how am I supposed to know who's sticking around? Um, you're supposed to know later, I guess, because the the first night. So my philosophy has always been on the bachelor or bachelorette is that first night you got to do enough so that they remember you, but not too much so that they can't forget you. What I mean by that is that she cut eight dudes. Yeah, she cut eight dudes this first night. She's just getting rid of dudes for whatever reason. Right. Because it's the first night. I, I just got to do enough. So that way she's like, hey, Kevin, right here. Boom. Kevin, mm-hmm. hey. All right, see you later. I'm going to go hang out over here. You you enjoy. Well, these other dudes sink themselves because you just need to be in the top 23 or something. Right. With that being said, I don't need to know all 23 dudes, all 31 guys' names because only eight of them are going to matter. Yes. Ten of them are going to matter. So I wasn't distracted by it because I don't need to know 31 names of dudes I don't care about. That's true. That's 100% true. It's just more of the I'm trying to figure out who stands where because you've only given me the time to know Dale so far. Well, for this, that's all I'm going to need to know. Yeah. Because Dale's the winning winner. He's the winning guy. He's the winner. Right. So anyway, so you have them have their man to man conversation, which I always think is so dumb in the show. Like, let me talk to you man to man. The fact that you're bringing drama my way tells me you're not trying to talk to me man to man. So you do that, and then immediately Yosef runs to Claire, like the tattletale in preschool, and says, he said this. So Claire sits them both down, Mm -hmm. which I don't think Tyler C. had gotten one-on-one time to that point. Right. So this is immediately a bad look. And I I commend Claire for just saying, I'm going to nip this in the bud right now. Mm -hmm. Have both these dudes come here. 
Go ahead and just say the story in front of each other. And notice, neither of them are age appropriate for her. Tyler C is 27. Yosef is 30. So eight year age gap is not that bad. It is when Yosef immediately gets the question asked by Tyler C that he had confronted him with and gives a non-answer answer. Right. Which shows, despite being claiming that he's there for the right reasons, he is not there for the right reasons. So Tyler basically blows his opportunity because he does have to follow up on what was said, but he looks immediately like a drama starter and she knows nothing about him other than the fact that he starts drama. Exactly. Yeah. Versus Yosef did try to make a connection and notice when he went in for the kiss, when they went away before the Tyler thing, he went for the kiss. She gave him the cheek. Right. Because she has already decided who she was. I mean, later on, she, pulls she pulls Blake to the side and thanks him for reaching out during a dark time during quarantine for her. Mm-hmm. He goes in for a kiss. She gives him a couple pecks. Yeah. But nothing too nothing crazy. Too much. Yeah. She kisses Dale when she gives Dale the first impression rose mm-hmm. and makes out with that dude. Yeah. Because she's already she's made her choice. She's made her choice already. Yeah. And that's fine. Yeah. So you had all that. We all knew Dale was gonna win. It was interesting to hear her talk about Blake breaking the rules of reaching out to her and they talked. She gave him a kiss. But Dale, who she just met her husband, I truly believe they talked the whole time and that was not addressed. So I think she just denied, denied, denied so he wouldn't get recast. Correct. So and and when when the way Blake did it, she didn't have extensive talks with him. I'm sure when Blake reached out, it was definitely a dark time for her. So she probably mentioned how Blake helped her through yeah, um, the time because she's at her mom's Alzheimer's and dementia and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So he probably helped her. And they were like, I like this dude. This is a feel good story. Do look for Blake to be the next Bachelor. Don't be surprised yeah. if he's in the running of being the next Bachelor or the Bachelor Canada. So it was interesting that. When she, after the conversation with Blake, she gives out the first impression rose. He was very disappointed he didn't get the first impression rose. It goes to Dale. Because Dale's been making a first impression for months. But when she says, Dale and I have connected on so many different levels. You had a very dumb conversation when you guys talked. Like, it seemed very superficial. Okay, did you see the conversation they had? Did, isn't he the one that dropped a I love that to her? No, no I don't remember which that. Is but the, which is the token, I just want to make out with you. Move. No, no, no. During their conversation, Dale asked about her mom and how her mom's Did doing. He? And then she mentions how, and he mentions about his sister having gone through some stuff too. Yeah. And that conversation was between people that know each other. Oh, 100%. That's what I was like, oh, I love this because she's like, she's like, so how's your mom doing? She hasn't brought up her mom to you. Yeah. Because she's already brought up her mom to you. <laughs> <laughs> so it was just a catch-up conversation. Yeah. So you said it was a dumb conversation. They've had all the serious conversations already. Well, it's just funny because she says, we connected on so many levels. And I'm sitting here going, as someone who's watching this and you're meeting your husband for the very first time and have never spoken before in your lives. And I'm like, at what level did you connect? Was it mouth to mouth? tongue to tongue no they've had deep but now that you're you're thinking about it they've had those all the deep conversations that you have with someone to begin a relationship they've had oh he 100 percent started on third base yeah 
he started on third base and just, just jogged in the home. Yeah, he started on third base, and everybody else is facing Cy Young. And they got to get a hit. Yeah. It's, it's ridiculous. It's tough, but no one realizes that he's already on third. Yeah. And they're going to as the season progresses, based on the previews. So one last thing I wanted to take away before we go into the future of the season. Two things. Number one, Easy was easily the best dressed of the night. Yeah. With that salmon-colored suit. Very nice. I wish I could pull that off. Very, very nice. And number two... Through we myself and Jay Quellen did not talk about who our picks would be before the season. Guess who she fell in love with? Dale? No, the guy that got my first impression rose, <laughs> Ivan. <laughs> Ivan was great. Yeah. Ivan was great in this first episode. I Dale's the one that's gonna get chosen by Claire. I'm really interested to see who's left and if they bring in another bachelorette, who she has to pick from and how they feel about it. Yeah, do you recast at that point and bring in new dudes? You can't because of COVID. I think normally you would, but because of COVID, you can't. So, all of these dudes who are investing their time in being with Claire, how do you feel about it when you have to pivot to a new girl? Um, Most of them are there to find love. So, I think what happens is you have a situation that happened a few years ago with Caitlin and Brit mm-hmm. is that there was a few dudes that were there for Brit, a few dudes that were there for Caitlyn, and then a lot of dudes that were there for either one. Yeah. And then when Brit leaves, because they choose one, mm-hmm. one dude left and said, I was only here for Brit. Yeah. So I'm going to see what's up with that. And they dated, and for, they a dated for a while. So I think that's the something that you have happened too is that if there's dudes that are only here for Claire, they're like, all right, didn't work out. So I'm going to go ahead and get a boat here. That's going to be a couple guys. But most of the guys are going to be like, well, I'm here to try to find some love. Yeah. Or try to be on Instagram or whatever. Or so, have a nice COVID vacation. Or, you know, I in reality, I really want to get with Heather Ann. You know what I'm saying? I thought Heather Ann might be the bachelorette. Or like, hey, I want to see what's good with uh, Victoria Fuller. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So they're like, let me get on this show. Let me get in the ecosystem. So that way I can stick around and meet these other girls that I would really like to date down the road. I mean, Jade and um, Tanner have three kids now. They really have that many kids. They have three kids. That's absurd. And Jade was on a season and Tanner was on a different season. They met in paradise. That was like always going to be this low key Tanner's thing because he thought Jade was cute. Yeah. So just stick around, you know what I'm saying? You'll see what, see what happens next. We will be re- recapping The Bachelorette every week, so that's great. Also, we'll be talking about The Amazing Race. The Amazing Race started this week, CJ. Season 32 that filmed sometime last year or the year before or whatever. So they said that it filmed before COVID, which I'm yes. trying to figure out the timeline. They had to have started mid to late February to get everything done before the COVID shutdowns. In no. March. No, 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 no. This this show this season's been in the can. Really? Yeah, they filmed this last year. I thought they filmed it. They were filming before. a show during, when COVID started. They were filming the next season while COVID started. This one's been in the can. Oh, I thought they were. No. I thought they filmed The Amazing Race right before it airs. No, because of the way CBS has done the scheduling for The Amazing Race over the last like five years, mm-hmm. there's this season sitting there ready to go. Wow. Because they don't know where it's going to fit on the schedule. 
It's funny because CBS has been trying to cancel the Amazing Race for years, right? And they can't get every time they put up something to replace it, it fails. And then the Amazing Race comes back, and then it wins Emmys, and then CBS is like, "Ah, eh, we'll keep it. Yeah, we'll keep it around." And so this season was filmed. Uh, let me see if I can look it up real quick. This season was filmed during summer of last year. During the airing of season 30 in January of 2018, Phil suggested the show could return to filming two seasons a year after two years of only filming one. Season 31 completed filming in July of 2018. 32 began in November of 2018. Oh, wow. Yeah. So this, this has been in the can. So they probably you. have at least one more season ready. Uh, not ready. They're only filming one a year. So they were starting the new one. Mm-hmm. And then COVID shut that down while they're in the middle of that one. Because I know, spoiler, that season had Ray and Carl from Love Island season one competing together. Huh. I knew that. Would Do you think, not to be sidebar, but do you think that we may get a return to the Amazing Race Family Edition where they tour no, the U.S.? No, never again. Never again. If, I don't think, I'm not saying families. Oh, okay. But I think... If COVID continues to be a thing because of international travel being severely restricted, could you see them doing a U.S. edition? I can see that. I don't think they're going to bring back the families because the kids ruined that season. Yeah. Because there was it was so restrictive for what people could and could not do having the children that I don't think they'll do a family edition because they were doing that around the same time as the greatest reality show of all time, Kid Nation. Yep. But they... can't. It, it broke the show having the families. I think that they'll do the pairs again, but I'm curious if you think they would do a U.S. edition. I don't think you can during COVID though, because you have to leave state to state, and then you can't know what happened in each state as you go into it. And you could be just carrying the virus through the cities. I, I, you cannot film the Amazing Race during COVID. Yeah, it just can't be filmed. That makes sense. But I think that. When COVID restrictions start to wane, and if we're still not able to travel internationally, Mm -hmm. because countries just don't want us in there, I think there's a possibility that they film a all-California edition. Yeah. And you have to, like, drive yourself or something. And that's why I think the U.S. edition would work, is because you eliminate the taxi drivers and everything, and you just have them do stuff in nature where you don't necessarily encounter anyone else. You wear a mask. You do what you got to do. Well, I think I think another option is you go like Arizona, California, Arizona, Nevada, California, Oregon, Washington, like all the way up the, co- mm-hmm. the coastline, the uh, the west the west coast, because that way you get restrictions. You get the the protocols for those few states that have been pl- making them together, and then you could go in and do the things, and then you could go into places that have been okayed, if you will. Yeah, I think that's what you could do. This season, though, that filmed in 2018, late 2018, this season has D'Angelo Williams from the formerly the Carolina Panthers mm-hmm. and uh, Gary, what's his last name? From the Panthers. Also Gary, from the Panthers. Gary Tall White Guy. <laughs> Gary Tall White Guy. <laughs> Gary <Ray> Barnage. <laughs> Gary Tall White Guy. Yeah. Gary Barnage tied in for the. Carolina Panthers. I mean, D'Angelo said that they're the same person, except he's tall, white, six, he's six foot four, white dude. Yeah, but they're the same person otherwise. 
This is true. I, I really liked Jerry and Frank. There's a father and son team mm-hmm. named Jerry and Frank. Jerry Eves, basketball coach. I, I liked them a lot. They were a lot of fun. I felt like they didn't get a lot of screen time, but they, they made the most of it. They did When they were on screen, they were electric. Mm-hmm. There was a pair of sisters named Michelle and Victoria. I was big fans of them as well this season yeah. so far. They came in second on the first leg. Mm-hmm. I could not get into Eswar and Aparna too much. I was really hoping they went home because <laughs> I was not feeling them. The country boys, they were the ones that I felt the least. But, Nathan and Cody, yeah. But Eswar and Aparna were a close second. I was I was just not. I, they're big fans. Mm-hmm. But I didn't love that they wanted to hang back to begin the, the season. I, I don't think that's a good strategy. Yeah, I did not love their dynamic. I did like Hung and Chi, a married married couple, because mm-hmm. they're here to win, and I like people that are gamers. Right. I just thought it was really funny watching D'Angelo and Gary Barnage, former NFL players, suck at rhythm stuff. You know what's funny is uh, when they were rolling those barrels through the town, yep. I was like, why don't they just pick them up and run? Because you had to roll them, so says the, the rule. The rule, yeah. So I do understand that the rules, you have to follow them to a T. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you either have to redo the task or take a time penalty. But I'm sitting there watching them both. I'm like, these two could literally pick it up and run it there. Right. And they would have dusted everyone. Well, because the task said that each team member had to roll an oil drum used to make steel pans mm-hmm. a quarter mile to Carnival. So they had to, it said, had to had roll, to roll them. Okay. So they had to roll it. So they, I enjoyed their time. I really enjoyed D'Angelo clowning him while he was playing the steel drums. Because <laughs> he was terrible. <laughs> he has no rhythm. He has no rhythm. <laughs> I should have done this. The so the for those that want to follow it, they flew from Los Angeles to Trinidad and Tobago. Which I'm gonna stop you there real quick. I did find it interesting that they didn't race to the airport this season. A lot of times they start them in LA, they have to race to their bags, and then they have to race to the airport where they end up on one of two flights to the first destination. Mm-hmm. This time, it appears that they put them all on the same flight because they basically started them in Trinidad. So I think it's really interesting, and I was reading about this. They used to may have to book their own flights. Yeah, and they don't really do that. They don't anymore. do that too much anymore. I don't. I don't know as if if it's because air travel is hard with everyone having the internet now because you don't have to like go to a travel agent to book. I don't know what it is. I think the reason why they've gotten away from that is they had quite a few seasons where teams were getting put days behind. Which was so great, though, because you need to be savvy. Mm-hmm. You got to be savvy. You got to look for the best flights, cheap flights, flights that are leaving a little earlier or like having a stopover in this place. And then you can get a connecting flight. And but, if you miss it, that's on you. But they want them to bunch like they want the teams bunched up together to heighten the drama of doing the task. True. Versus if you watch the early, early seasons, you have teams that are literally two days ahead in first place. That is just, it doesn't matter because no one's going to catch them. Because what you got to do is you got to be savvy with the air travel, <laughs> man. Taxi travel, air travel. Those are the two things that like put you ahead of the pack in the amazing race. Yes. And They've taken that away, which is fine because it keeps, like you said, it keeps everybody together mm-hmm. and it gets the race more even. But 
when teams can just outpace people because they're better at booking flights, mm-hmm. I was always a fan of that. So they have that, but it was interesting because they get to Trinidad, they race to the cabs, yeah. they get to the barrels, they roll the barrels to Carnival, and then it immediately puts them on one of two flights. So then the race pauses again. Yeah. Then they go to Tobago, and that's where the race actually happens. Because that's where the racing is. Yeah. And at the end of the episode, I also found it very interesting that it wasn't a, okay, this is your checkpoint. It was a, here's your next clue, keep racing. Right. Which I think was great because let's just keep it moving. Well, so I just looked it up. The filming dates were November 10th, 2018 to December 3rd, 2018. It's about three weeks. They get us all done in three weeks. Yeah. Yeah, about 20-something days to get going. Yeah. For a million dollars. So I get, like, here's here's a clue, keep racing. You guys stop right here. You're out. Mm-hmm. I like that. I like that too. Especially because you already had an overnight when you mm-hmm. had to fly in from the U.S. to Trinidad and Tobago mm-hmm. to begin with. So you already had and, that overnight. And you stayed in Trinidad overnight mm-hmm. because they got their flight landed in Trinidad at nine o'clock. And all they did was roll the barrels right, and go to Carnival and get their thing. So let's say it's 11 o'clock local time. Mm-hmm. They got another full night's sleep. Right. And then they went swimming for the fishes. And they had to do the drum pattern. Yeah, over at Pigeon Point, yeah. Mm -hmm. And then they had to race the goat. So they didn't do a whole lot this episode. So that means you could keep going because it's time to go on to the next place, which is apparently going to be Columbia. Yeah. So I want to keep covering the Amazing Race all season long. We're getting to the point where it's going to be mainly reality to talk about. So I'm really excited about that. Mm Mm-hmm. Lastly, CJ, what do you have that you want to talk about to finish up the show? Well, I would like to talk about the WWE draft. <laughs> the draft. As we've talked about before, I'm a huge wrestling fan. Yep. I very much buy into and will preach to anyone who is not a wrestling fan that you got to be able to suspend your disbelief to enjoy it. I mean... You suspend your disbelief when you watch live theater. You suspend your disbelief when you watch Madam President or uh, any show on TV, any show on TV. So this isn't any different. But it hurts when they insult your intelligence. Okay. so there were a lot of things that happened during the WWE draft that just made me feel dumb and not want to watch. So I'm going to go with the one that was the most insulting to my intelligence first, which was they, the way that the draft works for those who are unfamiliar is the two shows, Raw and SmackDown, take picks. Correct. So let me just break it down for you a little bit easier. The WWE is one, bit, one body. Yes. They have two different shows on two different networks. Right. Raw is on USA, which is owned by NBC, Universal. SmackDown is on Fox, which is owned by Fox. That's easy enough to pick her out. Because of that, wrestlers are on one show, allegedly can't appear on another show. Allegedly because they play loosey-goosey with the rules, but that's allegedly how it goes. Mm-hmm. Since that's the case, they do a draft every year to move superstars from one show to the other show and vice versa, so that way they can get new, fresh storylines, allegedly. Yeah, you want to get new matchups so that you have new, interesting things you can do with your people. Correct. Now go on. So the stupidest thing 
in a list of stupid was they drafted the SmackDown tag team champions to Raw and they drafted the Raw tag team champions to SmackDown. You know why? Because anything could happen. Because anything Who knows happen. what happens in the draft? Which on its surface is great. Tag team champion for tag team champion. Like, obviously you're going to pick one when you lose one to replace your championship. But then they have the two meet backstage and they traded tag team titles. <laughs> so now the Raw tag team champions just inherited the SmackDown champions and vice versa. Which, if you're a legitimate contest, it throws off the whole legacy of the title because no one won it. So they basically vacated it and then management allowed them to do it. Like, wouldn't Fox be like, no, that's our title. You can't just give it away. Couldn't Fox strip them of it? If Fox strips them of it, why don't you have a tournament to crown a new champion? Right. It doesn't make sense. And then also it brings into question, since they're both tag team champions, the prizes are of equal value. So I guess you can trade it, even though you didn't win it. Okay. But like, what if I perceive something to be of equal value too? So Otis, who was drafted SmackDown, is the money in the bank contract winner. And he says that the title that he can go for is the world championship because that's his money in the bank contract, which is a completely different thing. Just accept the fact that he gets a title shot that he wants. Let's say he uses the money in the bank contract to win the world title. Could he trade that for a tag team championship? Do you <laughs> even have they're the equal value? Yeah. Um, do you even have to trade a belt for belt? Can Sasha Banks trade her sunglasses for Bailey's women's championship? I've decided they are equal value, so I will give you these boss glasses and my boss hand things. Yeah. For your women's championship. Thank you. Can Jeff Hardy give away his towel? Well, I was going to say his face paint, but sure. His towel and his face paint. For the Intercontinental Championship? There are so many questions I have now. Now that if you open the... Why is the towel and face paint, is it worth more or less, though, than the women's title if he's getting the Intercontinental title? Well, I guess that's up to the holder. (laughs) So you do all that, and I feel dumb for watching because... You just devalued all of your titles. Another thing, it's a multi-round draft. So the way that the draft works is Raw is a three-hour show. SmackDown is a two-hour show. So Raw gets two or three picks for every two that SmackDown gets to fill the extra hour, which, sure, makes sense in theory. But the way that this draft works is you can draft either one person or the team. The New Day, who were the SmackDown tag champions, were drafted separately. So... Xavier Woods and Kofi Kingston were drafted together, but Big E was drafted separately. Why not keep them all together and get three guys for one pick? Hell, Raw picked Retribution, who got four guys and a girl with their one pick. So here's the problem with the tag teams and the splitting up of groups in the draft. Why are some guys, the Street Profits are Angelo Dawkins and Montez Ford, Mm -hmm. a tag team. Heavy Machinery with another tag team, Tucker and Otis. Why is Tucker in there individually from Otis, whereas Angelo and Montez are together? It makes no sense. Right. Either all tag teams are together or 
all tag teams are individual people and you have to ch- draft them both. Exactly. It's the only thing that makes sense. Yes. But they don't want it to make sense, which is fine. I want to know, were you able to draft The Fiend to one show and Bray Wyatt to another one? Apparently, they're one thing because they only drafted one. They didn't draft both. Well, what if you did? If you want to play with the game, why? Now, I think the draft is fun, right? I think the draft as a whole is fun, but it has to make sense. And it doesn't. And it doesn't. And that's where the problem is. The New Day, if they have entered the draft, and I use air quotes, well, because they don't get to choose if they're entering the draft. Correct. Everyone is thrown in, but they're thrown in loosey-goosey. Like, it, I understand if you could split them. Yes. Going back to your point, you can split the teams, but they should just declare that they decided to enter the draft as separate. Right. And that closes the entire loophole. Right. But because the Hurt Business as a group is a manager-ish guy and three other dudes. And you took all of them. And you took all all of them, a whole stable, including one of them who's a champion. I think titles should not be able to be drafted, title holders. If you're the, because every time they draft a champion, the other champion is automatically gets drafted by the other team. Yeah. It makes no sense, like you were saying earlier. So if you are a champion, you uh, WWE champion, universal champion, women's champion on either show, United States, whatever, you can't go. And this is like before Fox bought the rights to SmackDown for, and they started drafting again. It was very, it was even dumber because who was doing the drafting between SmackDown and Raw when they were both on NBC Universal? You didn't have a GM or authority figure. You just did a draft and people went wherever. And I'm supposed to believe that NBC, like the same exec, is drafting for both shows. <laughs> but like now, it at least. I can at least buy into it that they're doing a draft. Right. Because they have the two different networks. Right. Because so that would that would make sense, right? That I, okay, I hear us here at Fox, Rupert Murdoch and team, we we would like to have Seth Rollins mm-hmm. on our show cuz I saw what he's doing over there for USA. But if you do that, back to your point, why don't they lock the titles? Why aren't the universal title and the SmackDown women's title and the SmackDown tag titles, the exclusive property of Fox. Right. Why can't the intercontinental title be the exclusive property of Fox? And they can trade it between shows. Like I'm going to trade this belt, not, not the wrestler, the belt. Right. I I got on the phone with NBC. We would rather have the U S title over here as opposed to the intercontinental title. Right. So here is the title. But they don't. They're doing all these things that slap you in the face saying this is dumb. Because here's another thing. It's supposed to bring up new matchups. Why was Seth Rollins and his crony Murphy drafted to SmackDown? And then Rey Mysterio and his son also drafted to SmackDown. And they've been in a storyline together for six months? Yes. Why are we still running it? Like... You're not putting new eyeballs on the storyline by moving it to a different show because you expect your fans to watch on Monday and Wednesday and Friday and possibly on Sunday when there's a pay-per-view. Another prime example, Alexa Bliss and her tag team partner, Nikki Cross, have been having a feud where they're breaking up. Mm -hmm. You split them up. 
that takes care of that situation because Alexa has been involved in another storyline with Bray Wyatt. They move Nikki and Alexa over along with Bray Wyatt. If you're going to keep doing the storyline, just keep them on the show. Yeah. It doesn't make sense to move them. Or you split them and you wrap up the storyline at the next pay-per-view. Yes. Because, like, I'm already checking in occasionally but not watching every week because you've been giving me the same storylines for the last three to six months. When you move the storyline to a new show, you're not advertising to me that you're going to be giving me new stories, which will cause me to be invested. You're just moving the story over, and then you're probably going to run the story back doing the same beats you did on the other show. Because you're like, oh, those guys didn't see it. Let me do all the parts again. Yeah. No, thank you. We're (laughs) done here. It's true. It doesn't make any sense. And the other thing is, NXT, who was supposed to be their developmental third brand, no one got drafted from there. What's the point of having a developmental brand if you're not bringing anyone up? Good question. Like, how much of a draft is this really? Because if if your argument is they're not a developmental brand and that's why they're not part of the draft, okay. But then they're not equal. And if they're not equal, then why are they fighting on Survivor Series against Raw and SmackDown to prove that they're an equal brand? And if they are an equal brand, then why aren't they participating in the draft? It, you, you can't have both. The whole thing is dumb. And it's broken. And it makes me feel dumb to be a wrestling fan. And that's the that's why your ratings are falling. Because you can't insult the intelligence of your audience. True. This is the problem with wrestling, at least in a storyline phase. These things can be fixed with just better writing. Mm-hmm. But we'll see if they ever get that done. CJ, you got anything else you want to talk about? No, I'm good. I'm just going to sit here and simmer about how wrestling has made me feel dumb. You got anything you want to promote? Well, you can always find me on Twitter at Keyboard Sarcasm. You can find me on the gram at CJ Lee 04. Check out this past week's episode of Top 5 Go where CJ jumped on and did Top 5 Disney characters. It was a lot of fun. I had a perfect game that, that week. It was great. So check that out. Everything can be found on Fury Podcast Network, FuryPodcastNetwork.com. You could always go and find us at Fury Podcast Network on anywhere you can get podcasts. We're also on Instagram. We're everywhere. This has been The Strife. Thank you for listening. Nothing else, CJ? Have a great weekend. All right, guys. Bye. Bye.